What's going on, everyone? Zane here with Everything Vive. So excited to bring you today's episode, which is an interview with Logan Olson. And uh, he is the creator of Soundstage, the developer behind it. I do want to apologize ahead of time. Unfortunately, Ronnie could not uh, could not make it for the interview today. So I, it's just me. I'm flying solo. And um, yeah, Logan and I get into it. And I mean, it's super impressive what he's done. If you haven't had a chance to check out Soundstage yet, I highly recommend it. Musician or not, it's it's just a really cool application. And VR makes it that much better. So I will not let this intro drag on any longer, and yeah, here we go. Hey guys, want to welcome you all to uh, a very exclusive interview here with Logan Olson. Is that how you say your last name? It is. All right, Logan, the developer behind Soundstage. Uh, we are very lucky to to have him here. Wanted to get some insight and some background, get to know more about what Soundstage is, and yeah, Logan, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. We're really excited about it. So I had the chance to uh, to get Soundstage as soon as I got my Vive, which is about, I want to say a month ago at this point. And I was totally blown away. Ronnie is the one who turned me on to it because I'm a musician. I produce music in my spare time. And so it's, I was just totally blown away. Like I said, it the depth and everything behind it, it, you know, for, and let me just to preface it for people who may not be familiar with Soundstage, you can get it on Steam and uh, straight off the the Steam webpage, it says the virtual reality music sandbox built specifically for room scale VR. And I think that captures it pretty perfectly in my opinion. So Logan, I, I mean, do you want to give us, I, I'd love to hear just some inspiration for Soundstage. What is the story behind it and how, you know, how did it come about? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, well, uh, so I'm actually not a musician. The last time I played with music, though, was uh, analog synthesizers back in college. And uh, do you ever play with synthesizers? Yes, I've dabbled here and there. I, 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 right. I, oh, wait, I, I, need to, I need to dig in just a little bit. Sorry for interrupting. But you're not a musician, and you built probably one of the coolest VR <laughs> music applications. you got to tell me more well, about thanks, that. Man. Yeah, no, so I, I am by no means, I've never made a song. I mean, you know, like a lot of a lot of kids, uh, I had piano lessons and guitar and I played guitar when I was much younger. Uh, you know, you know, I guess when you're when you're a kid, you're doing piano guitar. I don't know if you remember like tracker software, which is probably still around where you'd like plug in your samples almost like on a piano roll. So I guess I'd play with that and analog synthesizers in college. And then probably my biggest uh, inspiration is um, Maximus P or Pure Data, if you're familiar with that. Uh, are you are you familiar with Maximus no, P? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Okay. I have to look into that. But uh, it's, it's give me the okay. so it's like a, uh, yeah, Well, so Maximus P is, is kind of the first one. Pure Data is essentially an open source one. So if you want to play with it, uh, go ahead and look up Pure Data, and it's essentially like a DSP for artist visual programming language. Uh, and I did a lot of interactive installations and a, and a lot of uh, digital prototyping. And whenever I needed to modify video or audio, I'd use either Maximus P if I could afford it or Pure Data if I couldn't. And it was a way to do a lot of like crazy audio synthesis um, along with video synthesis. So I'd take like old Arduinos, if you're familiar with Arduinos, which is kind of like a hacker hardware for, for less technically inclined people who want to do physical 
uh, interactions like turning on LEDs or, or pressing buttons or motors and that sort of thing. It's been around for quite a while now. Uh, but I'd like hook up Arduinos to video screens to like, you know, when you hit somebody, it would modify the video on the screens or like as you get, I'd build a tunnel and as you crawl through the tunnel, it would change the visuals and like increase the noise levels or maybe have like a low frequency oscillator changing like the wob. Um, so I used to do a lot of installations like that uh, many moons ago uh, back in college. And that's kind of how I got, uh, got familiar with digital signal processing and audio design uh, and all these, all these sort of tools that essentially are getting their cues from audio software originally. And so when I got a vibe, oh, and I used to do VR like 10 years ago. We can talk about that if you want. But uh, when I got a vibe recently, uh, when I got a vibe recently, I thought one thing that would be super rad is doing one of those old school room scale analog synthesizers. So like you go look at like the 1970s, 1960s synthesizers, they weren't like on an iPad and it wasn't like reason or anything like that. That's just built on your monitor, but it'd be like these giant crazy walls of wires hooked up to keyboards with all these dials and buttons essentially look like the cockpit from alien, but with like a dude with long hair going crazy inside of it. And <laughs> that's, now, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> and now, yeah, when you, when you look at that stuff, it's just an iPad and it's really incredible that an iPad can do that. And I think you're losing a lot of the physicality and, and it's hilarious that right around when I released soundstage, they released a $30, uh, Moog synthesizer that is incredibly accurate uh, and loyal to the Moog and has, you know, that really great sound and has all those capabilities. But when you watch this demo video, this dude's trying to navigate it on like a a pane of glass, right? And so you see him like grab a cord with one finger and then start scrolling with the other finger to travel over to where he wants to plug in the cord. And it's just like, man, that's not, that's not the right user interface for this sort of paradigm. And it seemed like that's something that VR could do uh, quite well. So I started building that. And when I started showing it to friends, uh, even friends who are musically inclined, uh, it was kind of like, oh, you know, that's that's all right, man. But what I really want is, you know, all those all those great physical instruments like drums and keyboards and, and all that good stuff. So I was like, all right, well, let's expand our, our scope a little bit beyond just modular synthesis. And, you know, once you do that, people are like, well, now I really want a sequencer so I can compose in real time and you know and then i want samples and so it slowly snowballed into this more feature-rich product and it's still uh i'd argue not even feature complete for most people who want to do music right so there's still quite a quite a bit that needs to be added until you have something that a musician feels is is capable enough so that's kind of where it came from i mean you know what the thing hearing the story behind it now it's it's pretty awesome man i i gotta say i, I mean yeah, of course, at the end of the day, you're going to have much more powerful computing or, or apps that will be able to accomplish, uh, you know, j- you know, just uh, they'll be able to accomplish much different things. But I, what you said in terms of the room scale, that's, I think, my favorite part about it is just being able to have the physicality and not having to scroll through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I'm not trying to downplay that you can do a lot of this stuff on on iPhones or iPads even. But, you know, just being able to there's something about being in the room and being like create, creating like your own virtual studio around you where, you know, I love, I love the, just the little, I don't even know what to call the little menu that pops up and then you can just place it anywhere. <laughs> and so you kind of, you're rearranging your studio as you go and just building and building on it. And I, I think that's incredible. So it's, it's really cool to see how that developed for you. Cause it, it sounds like it started as just a, a small idea or something like with the synthesizers you were saying, right? Well, it's essentially, I, if, you know, for those folks who aren't familiar with Soundstage, there's 
uh, a bunch of different instruments or modules and you essentially spawn them and place them where you want and can scale them up or down and then you connect them with chords to create essentially chains that form audio, right? So you might take a very simple sound and then uh, run that through a keyboard to change the pitch of it so you get high and low notes and then run that through a filter. Uh, filters come in the next update so that you can shape the sound a little bit. Uh, and that's that's essentially like a DSP chain, a digital, uh, digital signal processing chain. Um, but yeah, so there's all those different instruments. When it, when it started out, like it was essentially just the oscillator. Uh, and again, for folks who aren't familiar with audio, an oscillator is just something that generates a wave. Uh, and if a wave goes fast enough, you can hear it. So that, that was like the core of Soundstage, was just chaining oscillators together to create crazy synthesizer sounds. Uh, but again, it turns out I, that I'm in the minority on them thinking that's that's enough for a product. So it expanded from there. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see where it is now. And I guess this kind of segues into something else I was planning to discuss a little bit later, but I'm, you kind of mentioned uh, a future update. I'm just curious what's, what's coming in down the pipeline or what are you trying to do next with Soundstage to, to take it to the next level? So like I, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but there's definitely a a sort of version 1.0 set of features that need to be in there for someone to make something that sounds rad. And so, uh, you know, and different folks are, are pretty vocal uh, about what they want to see in there. So in the next update, which hopefully, you know, as of this interview is hopefully coming out next week, I'm oh, sorry, this week, this week. So I don't know when this interview drops, but hopefully over the next few days, there's, there's an update that should have filters uh, you know, improved mixers uh, for those who want to like crossfade between sounds. Um, and then there's a whole series of, of different uh, effects that folks want. They always want, everybody wants echo uh, and EQing so they can shape the sound a little bit. Uh, and then I think we got to get into recording and making recording better for folks who actually want to capture their performance. Um, so those are kind of like the two, the two core things coming down the pipe. And then also the question of shareability uh, and then just performance improvement. Like there's still a little bit of delay on the drones I'm trying to get rid of. And then there's for audio folks, uh, they really want to use the VSTs, the virtual sound uh, instruments from other programs. So still looking into that. And then again, for hardcore audio people, uh, for plus the toy audience, um, MIDI so that they can control their actual sound programs with Soundstage. And Soundstage's uh, core strength isn't generating really beautiful uh, sounds are having a really powerful sound engine. The core of, of Soundstage is just the interface, right? So if you can change that interface to a program that can generate really, you know, warm, awesome simulations of sounds from the 70s or 80s, it's like, you know, God bless you, use that. And just use Soundstage for the visuals uh, and doing the input. And then for more casual users, trying to help uh, users get into it. Because right now, uh, for folks who use Soundstage, especially if you're not a musician, it takes like a good five to 10 minutes to figure out what the heck is going on. So trying to smooth out that learning curve. Uh, so folks, anybody can jump in there and, and have a good time. Yeah, true. I mean, well, th there's a lot in there and that's, I, I don't say that as a bad thing. I mean, it has a lot of functionality, which I think is uh, just, I mean, there's so much to, there's so much to explore, so much to dive into. Um, so just going back to what you were saying earlier about so are you trying to put in third party like VST plugins and have integration with that? We're looking into it. So uh, for folks who, who are, who want this to go faster, I'm finally looking, uh, 
or looking into and, and getting contractors. And so we're, we're having a contractor look at VST to see just how feasible or difficult it would be in a very like official manner, as opposed to just like me surfing Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I mean, as a, as a music producer myself, I, I can say that that would be pretty cool if you found a way to integrate it. I feel like it would take a lot of computing power, but at the same time, I think I would add a lot of customizability for people who've become like very comfortable with certain VST plugins. Yeah, yeah. So you know, TBD, man. We'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what the what the dude says when he comes back. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's hope uh, hope there's some good news on that in the future. Uh, just curious though, what what is the uh, if if I may ask, what is the big picture or long term strategy for Soundstage? Like where where would you like to get it? I'm not talking about tomorrow, next week, or even next month, but you know, I, I know this kind of started out as just maybe a, a side thing for you, or you were just showing it to friends. But sitting here now, where would you like it to go? I, I mean, the first thought that comes to my mind, and I don't want to put you know the th- the uh, the words in your mouth, but the first th- thought that comes to my mind is maybe just having a whole virtual studio, which would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the the uh, not obvious. Obvious is the wrong word, but sort of the the vector it's on right now is slowly progressing to a DAW, like a digital audio workstation. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of functionality built into that and, and expected from from one of those. Uh, so essentially, I, I think the sort of, we got an evolution to go from right now where it's in this kind of awkward, not, not quite a easily usable toy, not quite a robust piece of performance uh, software um, and hopefully grow it into both of those. Like, I don't want to leave behind folks who just want to have a good time. Uh, and I understand that probably the core audience moving forward will more and more be uh, musicians who want to use VR. And so if I can continue to walk that line and fill out the feature set so it pulls about those uh, users, but essentially GarageBand, right? Uh, I think that's the the next step or, or the forward-looking trajectory of Soundstage. That would be very cool. I, I mean, I've, I started producing music maybe, I want to say, six to seven years ago, and I was learning on all the new stuff. But I've worked, I've taken classes with some of the guys who've been around since like the 70s and 80s, and they're all about the analog gear. And they, they always talk about, oh, oh, I can't believe it's so easy for you guys nowadays, blah, this, blah, that. And so I feel like uh, one guy in particular, I'm trying to get him to come over at some point just to try out Soundstage. But if, if you had a whole studio in there, I think he'd get a total kick out of being able to out of being able to recreate his his experiences from back in the day. Um, and I, yeah, that would just be a lot of fun, I think, for, for some people who've been in it for a while longer. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I think there's a there's only so much you're going to be able to do with the currents of hardware, I, I would flag, though. Like the, it's interesting, when I've put, when I've put older musicians in it, there's always, there's always a novelty factor with VR, right? And we'll, we'll continue to have that novelty factor for a while. Uh, but when it starts turning into an actual tool, uh, specifically musicians, there's a lot of expectations about using your fingers. Um, and currently you have what's essentially what, you know, what in literature is called a boxing glove interface, right? You essentially have a boxing glove with a few buttons on it. Uh, and you're going to limit who your audience is from a musician standpoint, as long as that's the core way you interact uh, with your world. And there's definitely ways you can circumvent that, like, right? Like if there's MIDI, there's no reason you have to use the virtual keyboard. You could always have a physical keyboard with only the effects being done using the Vive controllers. So there's definitely ways around it. Um, but I think that's going to, as the software progresses uh, and becomes more robust, that will definitely uh, hold it back in the same way that, say, 
a touchscreen holds back the iPad. And obviously you see, again, the same sort of ways to circumvent it, right? You see people plugging in large like DJ boards or in, and keyboards into their iPads. So the iPad is more of just a display and a piece of compute. Um, but I think that'd be giving uh, VR the short end of the stick. Like there seems to be a way to get those two together. And you know, the, the, the dream version of this is augmented reality. So it just becomes a question of like, when and how are we going to accomplish that and making sure that you can, you know, as a developer, stay flexible uh, as those new technologies are coming down the pipe. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about the Oculus Touch controllers coming out and the new Vive ones that are currently in development. I don't think they're going to be there yet in terms of the types of dexterity that dexterity that you'd have with, you know, your own human fingers and hands, but uh, it's it's definitely getting there and it'd be exciting to see, you know, where that goes and how uh, you know, applications like yours will be able to take advantage of that. Mhm. All right, I want to if you don't mind get away from soundstage for a little bit and just talk VR in general. I uh, know it sounded like you said earlier you've been developing VR for a while. So I'm just curious how long that's been and what got you into it. I started like uh, almost 10 years ago now. So I, I started VR, doing VR stuff in 2000, uh, 2007 or 2008, around there. Uh, and it was uh, actually originally to just pay my way through grad school. So um, people who are into VR are probably familiar with Institute for Creative Technologies. And if you're not, it's where... Uh, Palmer Lucky kind of like got his start and learned about VR uh, before springboarding into Oculus. Um, and we share the same mentor, uh, Mark Bolas, who just got picked up by HoloLens. So that's where I got my start. And was, what's funny is like when I, when I was there, man, I didn't think VR was going anywhere. Um, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you know what's really going to be big is giant touchscreen tables. Uh, but they're like that. <laughs> Like that's all that's I wanted to look at, but uh, we actually need you to keep working on the VR stuff. So I was like, all right. Uh, so back then it was the wide five uh, was like the cutting edge uh, VR display. It was a wide field of view uh, display. It was, I think it was like 800 by 600 resolution and had like two, like two or four giant DVI cables connecting it. And you couldn't really see what was going on on the headset. So you just kind of had to pray it was working. Uh, and our motion tracking software was a company that's still around uh, called FaceSpace. And now they do like professional uh, like movie uh, tracking and, and that sort of thing. But um, FaceSpace, so that was like a, you know, it's funny, like the equipment I have now, like a Vive, it's $800. But back then that was like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, uh, to achieve the same level of functionality. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got my start. And, you know, back then Unity was just for Mac. So we used a program called Panda 3D, which is uh, what uh, Carnegie Mellon uh, and the ETC use if anybody goes to school there for, for video games or used to use. Uh, and then also powered a lot of the attractions at Disney theme parks. So I uh, learned Panda 3D so that we could do a Python-driven VR stuff. And then as Unity came on board, we hopped over to that. And that's, that's how I got my start. Back then we were doing like, you can find stuff that I used to do, like a few clips of the VR from back then, but a lot of like... Uh, urban planning stuff like placing buildings or commanding like UAV uh, things or redirected walking uh, experiments, if you're familiar with redirected walking. Uh, so yeah, that's how I got my start in VR a long time ago. And then I left for a while to go do theme parks and, and uh, toys. Uh, and then I kind of, you know, picked it back up again uh, with this vibe explosion. Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't place all your bets on the, uh, 
the big touch screen tables. <laughs> They'll um, come back. Just you wait. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the day. Um, all right, cool. I, it sounds like you've been immersed in this for quite a while, which is awesome. Uh, and I mean, 2016 seems like it's it's been the, a big year for VR in general. So, I, like, I, has, for you, has that been the same experience? Uh, for me, you know, I come from it as more of an enthusiast, um, and so this is all relatively new to me. I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything that's happening. But I'm just curious, from your perspective as a developer, uh, are the gates kind of wide open now? Are there plenty of opportunities? Like, what does it look like from your experience or from your perspective? Well, there's definitely a, a you know, it's funny because uh, anybody who's into VR development um, and hangs out with a lot of VR devs has a very different perception of this than, than the general public. And specifically, like, and, and then you kind of have to divide that general public into people who are really interested in VR and then people who are actually buying VR, right? So where, where we're at right now is is probably like at the peak, peak excitement for VR. Uh, and this fall has been the first time that, that it can be delivered on through easily purchasable uh, products, right? You got PSVR, Vive uh, is no longer in short supply. Like if you want a Vive, you can get a Vive and Oculus Touch is, is coming down the pipe here shortly as well. So between those three, like if you want VR, you can get VR. You no longer have to uh, imagine what it's going to be like. Uh, and, and so I think we're going to, to me, this has been the year of buildup of excitement. And I think this, this Christmas season uh, or this holiday season and the spring of next year, we're going to see if, if that's delivered upon or not. Uh, so yeah, there, there's definitely a big boom, but I think, I think it's kind of one of those, uh, we're kind of in the put up or shut up uh, part, at least for this, this specific VR way for consumers. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like that people have been saying VR has been coming for a while, but I, to me, it, it, I mean, the user or consumer experience is already here. Uh, from my perspective, it just seems like, you know, it's, it's only going to continue to get better. I feel like the tipping point, if we haven't arrived there, it's, it's pretty close to it becoming mainstream, especially with PSVR becoming widely available now. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's essentially what, what this next push is, right? I, I think we'll know by next summer if this is a mainstream thing or a niche thing. And, and, you know, if it's a niche thing, it's not the end of the world. I think it just becomes, uh, not ready for consumers yet. So, cause you know, it's interesting. It kind of blows my mind how, how much focus is being put on consumer oriented uh, VR and not professional VR. Right. So, you know, if you think about smartphones or desktop computers or, or really just about any, any computer technology, it, it really like leapfrogs companies and goes straight to consumers. It usually has to get into an office before it can get cheap enough to get into a home. Uh, and it's been fascinating to see that that not uh, be mentioned more vocally with VR. And, and maybe it is, and I'm, and I'm just missing it. I, I mean, you know, feel free to disagree with me. But it seems most most of the talk has been entertainment-focused, A, not enterprise-focused, uh, and B, focused on on people at home having a good time with it as opposed to people, that, people at work using it to be more productive um, or more effective. Uh, and that's been interesting. And it'll be interesting to see if consumers don't take to it uh, this holiday season, if it gets pivoted over into enterprise uh, or if everybody just kind of has a ban- kinds of uh, abandoned ship. Um, so, yeah. You know, that's a great point. I had never really thought about it from that perspective, just because now from a consumer standpoint, you see a lot of different applications that can be done with it. So, I mean, are you so you're saying that you haven't seen much in the professional 
aspect or you haven't seen much on the enterprise side? I'd say when you when you think about press, right? Like if you follow a bunch of of VR blogs or, or VR think pieces, it, it certainly gets mentioned. But I'd argue that for for every one article about how VR will help an architecture firm or or help somebody be more effective at project management, you have uh, tens of articles about a really cool game experience, a really cool location based entertainment or VR arcade. Uh, and you know that's maybe because entertainment's more fun to read about. Uh, but if that if that's kind of where all the developers are, I think you have a a sort of glaring uh, gap in the market. And it'll be interesting uh, interesting to see how that gap gets filled. Oh, so well, it sounds like it's ripe with opportunity then. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Well, I got. I want to be respectful of your time. I got one more here for you, and this is more so, uh, I guess, just a, a hypothetical. So. As a developer, what one wish do you have for the future of VR platforms? And I, I think uh, more specifically in the, uh, the the talking points that I sent over, I gave the example, if you were the CEO of HTC or Oculus, where would you be focusing your company's time, energy, resources, et cetera? Well, I, you know, I got two, I got two different answers for that because the, the thing I'd want the most is probably not the... Uh, Something as a CEO, I think, is very feasible. Uh, but the th- the thing that I I think is a glaring absence right now is uh, haptics or kinetic feedback. Uh, and so, if there's one thing I'd absolutely want um, folks to be looking at, it would be uh, haptic feedback, and not just like uh, vibrations or, or like gusts of wind. But you know, if I put my hand on a wall, how can I have that wall push back like a wall? So that would be my, you know, my number one pie in the sky. Uh, that being said, that's obviously very difficult to do. So I, I actually don't know. That seems almost like a, a Sisyphusian effort. So, you know, I guess if I was you, I could still ask for that. But I, I wouldn't expect returns anytime soon. Because then you're, start, you're starting to talk about like Star Trek holodeck uh, <laughs> levels of uh, feedback. Yeah, well, what's, what's the other one then? I don't know, man. That's like, that's my core answer. I mean, obviously oh, okay. AR. You know, you can say, because VR is essentially a stepping, tone, ste- stepping stone to uh, augmented reality. Uh, so, you know, you can, you can talk about having uh, better transparent uh, displays or displays that aren't just additive lighting so you can include things. would be pretty huge. HoloLens is obviously amazing, minus the uh, field of view uh, and motion track peripherals. So always asking for those would be great. So, you know, it'd be putting more chips in augmented reality. But at the end of the day, that, that's going to come uh, whether we want it or not. I think the real question is going to be, how are we going to deliver as well on our on our uh, physical touch sense uh, as well as we're delivering on our visual and auditory senses? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the haptic feedback, like you said, I think that's going to be a huge one. If if we can turn a corner at some point, uh, that, that would be full immersion right there because then there's nothing to let you know, aside from maybe smell, I think that that might be the smell and taste might be the last couple senses that aren't necessarily uh, covered in VR, but that, you know, having touch being fully, uh, fully recognized would be a huge, uh, huge stepping stone in the whole full immersion. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, man. I don't know. Like that's the, that's the Holy grail, but give it, give it some time. We'll, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if somebody invents hard light. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's very exciting times to be involved in virtual reality. I'll tell you that. So, well, I wanna I wanna thank you for taking the time out uh, and for just being here and allowing the listeners a uh, a look inside Soundstage 
and uh, and yourself. And so, is there a, is there a place or a way that people can connect with you? Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, just Google Soundstage VR, and uh, you know, Soundstage VR on Twitter, Soundstage VR on Facebook, uh, or just search for Soundstage on Steam. Um, you know, and please post a link to the Steam store where you post this, because uh, obviously that's the that's the the key to to keeping me going is uh, reviews, reviews, and uh, checking out Soundstage. Absolutely no, but there will be a there will be a link in the show notes, guys. So make sure you check it out. Firsthand experience for myself. I cannot recommend it whether you're a musician or whether you're just dabbling, it's, it's so much fun. And you know, when it just takes me back to when I was a kid and I had no idea anything about music, but you had that, uh, you know, that those old dusty keyboards where you could just kind of set something up and play along to it. This, this is just on a virtual reality level. It's, it's a lot of fun. Can't recommend it enough. So thank you again, Logan. Really appreciate the time. Thanks man. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Take care.